0: Welcome to Ride Every Stride, episode 69.
1: Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride. And once again, I'm here with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Hey, Van, how are you?
0: Hey, Laura, I'm super. Thank you for asking and excited again to be back in uh, the recording studio and getting some more of these podcasts done for our listeners. And with that said, I want to say a big thank you to you for your, your patience and your working with me with your schedule. Lord knows you've got a crazy busy schedule and For you to take time out to let us kind of work together and get these things done, I certainly appreciate it, and I know our listeners do too. And I also want to uh, to thank our loyal listeners for being patient and just politely sending us those encouraging notes going, hey, when are you going to record again, and and, uh, but I do really appreciate their, their letting us know that they're listening and that they're, they're waiting for these next episodes. So it's, it's really good to be able to get back in the studio and get some of these things done for these guys.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's nice to know that people are, are looking forward to hearing what you have to say. And I'm sure you let them know that it's not for lack of interest on our part to get it done. It's just been a challenge at times. And just when we think we've got the schedules worked out, then we have technical difficulties. So it's it's right, yeah. one of those things, but yeah, it's good to be back. So what are we going to talk about today?
0: Well, Laura, today we're going to, we're going to talk about the, the older horse, because I mean, as I get older, I constantly start rehearsing in my mind, what I used to say about old people and, <laughs> and for the first time in my life, I've actually got an older horse, you know, a horse that's paid his dues, uh. And, and I'm going to be referring to Scooter here. You're very familiar mm-hmm. with Scooter. He, he was very instrumental in, in one of the summers of your lifetime. And, but Scooter, you know, he's getting, he's getting on up there as far as horse age goes. I mean, he's, some people re- refer refer to him as still fairly young, but yet when I know what he's been through in his life, I also think, well, bless his heart. He's earned a retirement if he chooses it. So, yeah. um, so well, me, I just kind of thought that aged horse would kind of be a good topic for us to talk about today.
1: Yeah. And I'm excited about this because as you know, I've got two horses. I've got a one, a gelding that's 23 and a a mare that's 20. And so what do you consider when, when we're talking about an older horse, where do they sort of morph over into being considered an older horse?
0: Well, a lot of that is relative. For example, if it's a, if it's a horse, it's involved in, oh, some very high intense type competitions, then he might be old at four or five, six years of age. Mm. Not that he's not physically unable to do certain things, just that the uh, the age of which they compete uh, might kind of label that horse as being old, but it's just relative. And I'm going to share a story with you about um, a horse that was one of the favorite sires to some of the horses that I had. And this horse was named was Wimps King Buck. He was owned by a dear friend of ours up in Kaufman, Texas, named Mindy Costello. I hope she doesn't mind us mentioning her name. But she had a horse that was just a phenomenal good athlete. And he was actually one of the last living grandsons of King. To kind of give you an idea how old he he might have been. King, for those of you who don't know, was probably one of the oldest foundation type horses in the American Quarter Horse Association. He was one of the top foundation type horses, in other words, one of the very first ones that was that was registered in that American Quarter Association. So for her to have one of the last living grandsons of King could kind of give you an idea how old he was. Well, at every horse show we went to, Mindy always had at least one or two of King's babies, but she also had King there, and she competed on him all King? the time.
1: Was it King? Yeah, his
0: yes, ma'am. His okay. name was King. Okay. And that's what she just kind of nicknamed him, but his actual registered name was Wimps King Buck,
1: okay.
0: or King Wimps Buck, I think. But anyway she always competed on him. And you couldn't help but to ask, you know, because he, he just kind of looked old. When you looked at him, he just kind of had that very mature look about his eye and his expression. He had a few little gray hairs around his eyes and a little bit on his muzzle and kind of carried himself, just much more like a mature type stallion would carry himself. And so I would ask her from time, how old is King now? And if I remember correctly, the last year that she showed him, he was like 24, maybe 25 years old which is extremely old for a horse competing, and especially in that particular event because it was ranch horse versatility, which meant they had to compete in five events throughout the course of the day. Mm-hmm. So it was an all-day deal for this horse to do that. So he did that. She kept him in really good shape during the week and then carried him to these shows on the weekends. He also bred mare a certain time of the year, so he was very, very active. Well, then when Mindy finally decided to retire him, the horse went downhill unbelievably fast because no longer was he in a daily exercise regimen and his body began to catch up very quickly and he began to get very crippled very quickly. And so it kind of lends to that adage that if you don't use it, you you lose it. So oftentimes it's a real good idea for us that if we're going to have an older horse, To let that horse be active in some way, and especially if he's been very active in his past, if he's been very active, say, from the time he was two years old onward, then you're probably going to do that horse a favor by keeping him in at least light work and light exercise for as long as you possibly can. Because once you kind of let that horse get a little sedentary, arthritis and those types of things are going to start creeping up on that horse. So it's just a really good idea to just keep them active, just like us humans, you know, stay active, do something. Another thing that the activity does, it keeps their mind active. And especially if we can do, oh, some various things with them that kind of like little patterns, things that we can ride them with and have fun doing or ride them out on nice, easy trail rides. To keep their mind active as well, let them see something other than the old family farm every freaking day. You know, get them out, let them go see something and keep their mind active and keep it, keep it working. And of course, the other thing is there's tons of things out there today that we can do for our horses dietary-wise. For example, there's, there's all the major feed companies. Purina Mills, for example, has a great product called Equine Senior. An equine senior is an is a all-complete feed, which means you can just feed them just that if you like, along with their hay or their grass, or if you'd like, you can just feed them only equine senior if you so choose, because it's what they call a complete feed. It breaks down very easy, and it's very easily digestible, and all of those nutrients that are in there are what they call total digestible nutrients. So they get almost like a condensed feeding in the amount of food that they eat. And that's extremely important because as horses get older, just like us, our metabolism changes greatly and our body absorbs certain things and kind of excretes others. So the more things that we can keep in our body that's going to help fuel and feed our body with all the things that it needs, we need to take that in a much more condensed fashion. And as a result, more of it goes to our body and less of it goes out the other end, so to speak. So we, I think as, we, as our horses get a, a certain age and as they start getting older, we need to respect that and start preparing that with uh, a little bit of a change in diet, continuing with their exercise program, but maybe do so a little bit a uh, little more of a light-type program. And then there's also, uh, for horses that may have been used pretty heavy as a youngster, there's also a lot of things that, they, that we can use today that to act as anti-inflammatories. For example, we, I really believe in a great product that I call XLEQ. It's actually available on our website. And I'm not a supplement kind of guy. I don't like jacking with those things. It's just too much mess at, at, uh, at feeding time. So I like to keep the supplementation thing very specific, and I like to make it extremely easy on myself when it comes to feeding time. But XLEQ has anti-inflammatory characteristics in that as well as uh, all your omega-3 fatty acids for your horses, which helps keep their hair coat shiny. It helps keep uh, their their blood work in really good condition. And the anti-inflammatory will help with any kind of muscle soreness, but most, most importantly, with the joint inflammation. And so as that horse gets older, if we can start preparing it for those things, we can eliminate a lot of the issues that may come with old age.
1: So, how do you know if a horse needs something like XLEQ? You said it was called a joint supplement. How do you know, you know, what horse would need it and when you should start something like that?
0: I number one, I, there's a magic number that, that two of my best friends when I was in the horse industry up there in Sulphur Springs were veterinarians, and obviously when I moved to when I moved down here to Victoria. The first thing I started looking for was a really good reputable vet, veterinarian, and I found one in the name of Dr. Sam Williams, and I asked him the same questions that I asked my buddies up there in North Texas, and that was kind of the same question you just ask: What's the magic age of a horse And we already start considering them aged? And all three, and I don't think it's coincidental, and I don't, I don't think all three went to the same vet school either, but all three said, oh, about 12 to 15 years of age, Van. Okay. That was their magic number. So at about 12 years of age, I started kind of looking at my horses a little bit differently. I started watching, or oh, has that horse been a little bit gimpy? And if he is, I'm not necessarily just going to ride it off because he might have got kicked the night before by another horse or he might have laid wrong. I'm going to start thinking in terms of, oop, that might be a pre-signal to arthritis conditions or joint issues. So at that 12-year mark is when I'm going to start thinking about or even maybe just go ahead and start dedicating my habits to change for the benefit of that horse of giving them some sort of light, easy supplement to to give them. And I don't want to overdo supplements either because some people think, well, you know, we live in the land of plenty, right? So if a little is good, then a lot's better. But sometimes you can overdo that with a horse. This might not hurt them on the physical outside look, but you might overdo their kidneys Mm -hmm. and you might overdo other parts of their body, their liver. And now suddenly they're not going to be looking good, and what do we do? Well, he's not looking good. Maybe we need to give him some more of that stuff. So we give him more supplements. And as we do that, we're only causing the problem to get worse, and we're just going to write it off as well. Bless his heart. I did everything I know I could for him, but he still died or he still got sick or he still lost weight, and it might be an internal thing because we're overdoing the supplementation. So keep the supplements simple, and then of course, like always, when in doubt, consult a really good reputable veterinarian. And if it's Involving your horse, consider a reputable veterinarian that's pretty much equine as his primary practice. But about that 12-year mark, now here's another thing that was really interesting that that Dr. Sam told me, and he's very big into dental care. And I've practiced this for years even before I met Dr. Sam, but Dr. Sam reinforced this in my mind. We all know that horses shed their baby teeth from about two to four, so they're just like human beings. Our teeth grow, and then our baby teeth get pushed out by our adult teeth. And we keep those adult teeth for as long as we can until we lose them or until we get too old and they actually fall out. But with horses, that that takes place from two to four. And at that point in time is when it's a really good idea to have your horse's teeth checked at least twice a year. doesn't mean you got to float them twice a year. It just means you need to have them checked twice a year. And why on such a really young animal? Man, they're not showing me any of the characteristics. They're not dropping their feed. They're not losing weight. They're growing like weeds. They look great. So why then do I should I have my horse's teeth checked twice a year? Well, at that age, if you understand how horse's teeth work, the bottom teeth work directly opposite of the opposing teeth on top, and they work like little grinders. So what keeps the teeth from growing too fast is that the horse's teeth grind against each other as they eat each day. Well, if a horse loses a baby tooth at the bottom, the adult tooth at the, at the bottom may not be fully developed. It may not be at the same level as all the other teeth, which means the opposing tooth top of it will grow, will continue to grow long. And if that happens over several different teeth in the horse's mouth, then we create what they call, what, they, what, what the vets refer to as the wave effect. So now the horse, with that wave in his mouth, his jaw is not going to work properly, which means he might be eating like crazy, but he may not necessarily be developing the way that he should because he's not chewing up his food properly. He's swallowing it anyway, but because the food is getting pushed through their system so fast, it's not the nutrients within that food isn't being absorbed properly. So it's just getting kicked out really before the food gets a chance to do its full job. So it's very important on those younger developing horses to have their teeth checked regularly so that they don't have that wave effect caused by the opposing teeth not, not doing their job. Now, the same thing for the older horse. As a horse gets older, say 12 to 15 years of age, it's not a bad idea at that time to start having the horse uh, his horse's teeth checked at least twice a year again. Why at the age of 12 to 15? Because you see, at that age, oftentimes their, their jaw might not be working properly. Those opposing teeth may not be grinding properly. They may still develop a wave effect or they may develop points or, or sharp edges on the side of their teeth. And as a result, the horse is not chewing their food up properly and they're swallowing it whole or they're swallowing it in too big of chunks. That could cause choking issues, it could cause dietary issues such as colic, and it could also, most importantly, cause the issue of not properly absorbing the nutrients that the food would have for them. Now, at the age of 12 to 15, that horse might start already be in that aging process of his body, which means if he does begin to slide on the body scale, in other words, he's getting maybe a little bit too thin, it's harder for that horse to recover his body weight then it would be a younger horse. So just like always, prevention is the key there. So if we can just have our vet just, hey, while you're here, would you mind checking old Gabar's teeth for me and just having you look at them? And how do they look to you? And if the vet's good and reputable, he's not just going to try to sell you a teeth floating. He's going to tell you what the horse really needs. And oh, well, Laura, he's going to be fine until the next few months. And and then the next time we'll, we'll come out, and we'll float his teeth for him, make sure his teeth are okay. And as a result of that, you're going to keep Gabar in his better top condition. And therefore, if anything else begins to cause the horse to lose weight, you can now know that it's not because of his teeth. So you're, you're able to take care of at least that aspect of it.
1: Between 12 and 15, I mean, you know, Gabar's 23. Anything right. specific beyond what you've just said that I should be thinking about for him? I mean, this here's a really dumb question, and forgive me because I know this is dumb and some of your listeners are going to roll their eyes. It's okay to ride him, Right.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, and, and here's what I want people to think about is think about this, this horse's activity level. And here's the good thing about, I know about it, your horses. Number one, you've got really good pasture. Your husband does a great job of keeping your, your pastures maintained. There's always good grass out there. And and you guys kind of combine turning out with, with uh, feeding time. So, Gabar is fairly active socially because he's around other horses, but he's also active because he moves from place to place to eat during the day. In other words, he's outside and he's moving around some. That's the best thing you can do for an older horse is just give them something to do that's more natural in their environment. And then at the same time, you want to evaluate, very honestly evaluate, how active is my older horse? Is he doing anything? Like in your case, for example, your nephew rides him from time to time. Think about your nephew riding them. Think about how much he rides him. Think about the type of riding that he's doing on him. And then every time you ride him, you're just going to kind of watch and observe to see how he gets along. Did he do well? Did he, Is he a little bit gimpy the next day? Is he a little bit sore maybe? And just evaluate that. And with that evaluation, we can make a lot of really good positive judgments. Sometimes it's just sore. I mean goodness, if I go up and I do something that I haven't done in a while, or if I do too much of something that I have done on a regular basis, then the next day I might be a little bit sore. So I just need to take that into consideration. It doesn't mean we got to call the doctor or go give myself a shot. It just means I'm a wee bit sore and I know I'm going to get over it. But if that soreness persists, and in other words, you're watching your horse and he's kind of gimpy for a few days, now you might want to start thinking about either adjusting his exercise and not do the thing that kind of overdid it for him. Or just follow that up with maybe a a dose of some sort of anti-inflammatory. In Gabar's case, I would probably go ahead and start him on an anti-inflammatory. Just because we already know that he's mildly active doing his normal thing in the pasture. Therefore, when when your nephew rides him, he becomes a little bit more active. And of course, with any kind of activity, we run the risk of creating some sort of inflammation. So if you can give him an anti-inflammatory, such as the XLEQ we talked about earlier, then that would be something that's not only this good for his digestive system and other parts of his body, but it's also going to hopefully prevent any soreness maybe in his joints.
1: What are the other things we need to think about with an older horse in terms of care, in terms of use, you know, among other things? I mean, there are a lot of questions I have, but the thing that comes to mind obviously is it's a Looking at the thermometer, it's 104 here where where we are on Bellwood Farm today in North Texas. Should I be any more worried about Gavara and Alea than I am about younger horses we have on the place?
0: Yes and no. I mean, the good thing about older horses, they also have more experience. If there's a shade tree and they're hot, they're going to go find a shade tree. And But what we need to do, though, is notice and watch how long were they under the shade tree, Did he choose to be in the shade tree to keep his body temperature a little bit cooler or did he choose to go out and eat? If he chooses to spend more time than what you deem is normal under the shade tree and you're a little bit concerned about that length of time that he spent there and not eating, in other words, not replenishing his calories, replenishing his nutrients, then I might consider adding a little bit more feed to his diet. On those extremely hot days, and of course, like always, you want to make sure there's tons and tons of of good, clean, fresh water for them. More so, I think for well, it's it's important for all horses, but more so for those older horses. That digestive system might be just a little bit more fidgety. Now, for as long as I've known you and I've known Kabar, I've never known him to have any kind of colic issues. So I wouldn't start thinking, oh my goodness, now that he's older, he's going to start having colic issues. If he's gone 23 years and not had an incident, chances are he's not going to have an incident just because it's hot outside. So I don't want somebody to go think, well, Van said that my my horse spent too much time underneath this shade tree. It might create some colic issues. That's not necessarily the case, but I'm a big believer in the prevention. So I want to make sure there's lots and lots of water available. Now, sometimes what I'll do, and I, this is probably more more so than sometimes, but I try to make sure that my horses have Lots of mineral available to them. Most mineral that you have for horses, and I choose to use what I call free choice mineral, which comes in a bag as opposed to a block. But I like to make sure that free choice mineral is available to them in some places protected from the weather, either in the barn or under a a mineral feeder out in the pasture somewhere, but somewhere where the moisture and the direct rain can't get to it. Almost all mineral has a very high salt content in it. So the horses will not only get their mineral and all the nutrients they need from that, but the salt that's also in there will encourage them to seek out the water trough. So they'll they'll make their way to the water trough and while they're there they're gonna drink more water, which is always good for them, whether it be summer, winter, old or young. It's that's it's good for the horses to have lots and lots of water.
1: Let me ask this then, just kind of heading the other direction. What about for those who have older horses who are maybe in colder climates when it gets really, really cold in that kind of circumstance? Do you need to do anything differently with an older horse than you would be doing with the younger horses? Do they need a blanket to, just because they're old? Or I mean, you know?
0: yeah, you don't want to change. You don't want to change things too dramatically, like all of a sudden listen to the podcast and go out the next day and make major changes. But it's not a bad idea just to to watch and observe that and and check your horses out. Like if you ever see a horse actually shivering, that horse needs help. If he's shivering, it means his body is in desperate need to try to create more energy. That's why they shiver. They're trying to create more energy to keep their bodies warm. And of course, when they're trying to to keep their body warm like that, that shivering consumes a tremendous number of calories. And those calories now are going to keeping them warm instead of keeping their bodies maintained. So it's a good idea. If you ever catch a horse shivering, then he needs help. He needs to get out of the wind. He needs to get out of the weather. If you want to put a blanket on him, that would certainly help. So anybody in those colder environments, of course, use your best judgment there. And again, make sure there's plenty of calories and plenty of water available. But I, I do caution people on making radical changes. Like For example, I wouldn't want you that just today go outside and treat Gabar differently just because it's hot. I mean, the good thing in Texas is it might be you know 100 degrees today and tomorrow it's going to be 85, which is... T- Still hot to a lot of people, but for <laughs> us, oh, my God, that's like somebody left the air conditioner running.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, and I'm just trying to, you know, think of this in terms of, of course, we're all obsessed up here in North Texas with how hot it is. But our, I know you have listeners in the Southern Hemisphere, and it's winter down there. So that's right. why I want to make sure we're covering the spectrum for those who have older horses and, and making sure that we answer those questions about what what needs to be different for them, for those older horses in whatever environment than than for the younger horses.
0: Right. To me, I think it's, it's kind of a blanket thing. I'm just going to kind of look at the major things. Number one, what's honestly, I have to be really honest with myself and not just my perception of the whole deal, but I have to be really honest and objective about What's my horse's activity level? And as that horse gets older, can I keep him somewhat active? Can I keep him to where he's still utilizing those muscles and utilizing his mind and utilizing those joints? That's a great prevention. I think also, like we mentioned, a very good objective look at this horse's teeth. Now, I'm not going to try to judge it myself. I'd much rather professional do it. So I'll have my veterinarian slash equine dentist take a look at the horse's teeth and make sure the horse's teeth are in good order because I don't want the horse to begin to start slacking on his body score. And, and for those who don't know what I mean by body score, uh, Prina Mills, veterinarians, and a lot of other professional organizations have come up with a system that they can score your horse's body And um, like a one to a three is a horse that's extremely emaciated. A horse that's like a nine or a 10 is extremely obese. So we're looking for the equine athlete to be somewhere between five and six. We're looking for maybe the equine retiree to be more like six to seven, somewhere in that body score. So just imagine totally emaciated, morbidly obese, and obviously you want your horse to be in the middle of that. And, uh, and Purina also used to say a thing to us that means a lot and makes it easier for people to, to get a better idea how you can visually get that score as well. But you can, you can also do it physically, which is just walk up and rub your horse's rib cage. If you can see his ribs, he's too skinny but if you can only if you can't see his ribs but you can feel them then chances are he's in that in that range of being an ideal body score. So on our older horses we want to keep them in that range. I don't want them too thin because it's going to be way too hard for them to keep keep up and I certainly don't want them overweight. If they're overweight that works their entire body including their their joints and everything else entirely too much and I want to stay away from that obesity at, at all cost.
1: Is it true that if you've had a horse, maybe that's been active, maybe a, a performance horse that you've been competing on for years and now it's gotten older and it's retired, you know, gone to its rightful retirement. I mean, I think about Scooter that you've done, that has, uh, you mentioned him earlier that you competed on him. you hauled him around to demos and expos and shows and stuff like that. Now he's older. He has, as you you told me, you know, retired. And how do you prevent a horse that's used to being active and working hard and now is having more time to sort of relax? How do you prevent that horse from gaining weight, getting obese?
0: Well, and Scooter's a prime example. He's fatter now than he ever has been in his life, but he's to that point to where if he got if he if he changed a little bit heavier, then I would start limiting his uh, access to grass. Okay. Cuz right now he's he's getting uh oh, he gets a little bit of feed every day just to know that I'm still alive and uh and then most of the time he's in my way. I mean, I love my horse to death, but he's just Dad, gummy's my horse and every horse I've ever raised is just like him. They're like in my hip pocket everywhere I go and I'm constantly having to get him out of stuff. If I set something down, he goes, hey, what's that? And he goes and gets it and knocks it over, <laughs> does whatever, or tries to bring it to me. No, Scooter, I set it there for a reason. Leave it alone.
1: Just go to hell. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> but um, but I, I watch him and I, I, I observe him every day. And right now, for example, we've had some great rain in South Texas. As a result, we've got more grass we know what to do with. And so he's looking as full or fuller than he's ever looked in his life. And it's right about now I'm going to start really observing him and, and making that decision. Dude, you're getting a little bit obese. So what we'll do is we'll pull him off the grass for a limited amount of time and we'll get him on a more of a dry lot type situation. And what I mean by that is I don't want to deprive him of having something in his digestive system. I don't want to starve him, but I'm going to give him dry matter such as hay that won't have as many calories in it as the fresh green grass does, nor does it have as much water in it as the fresh green grass does. So as a result, his calorie intake now is managed. And when he begins to, or if, if, if I did that, and he began to look a little bit better to me, then I would begin to ask him, or not ask him, but I'd ask, or I'd let him go out, get a little bit more grass. So in other words, I would just manage his time on that resource. And because and, honestly, Laura, that's one of my biggest complaints about people who have obese horses. I think, number one, this horse is miserable. Why would we want this horse to be out there, especially if you're down here in the in the heat? Why would I want this horse to be that darn fat in 100-degree weather or plus 100-degree weather and morbidly obese just sweating while he's eating? And some people, well, he, even my younger horses do that. Well, Those horses are hot too, but sometimes we got to change that diet a little bit. Get those horses off that. If it means we got to go pull them off the grass, we're not being mean to him. Yes, we know he would love to sit there and eat a whole bowl of cookies, but it doesn't mean it's good for him, right? So I know that the horses would love to be out there eating that green grass. They just want to have their tail down and just pooping like crazy every chance they get. But the reality is it's not good for them. So we have to manage that and pull them off that good green stuff and just go give them some good dry hay. The horse is not going to hate you for it. You know, he's not going to like, oh, darn it. Here she comes. She's mean old woman going to pull me off that good old green grass. They don't, horses don't think that way. Thank goodness. But they will go out and gorge themselves on that grass if it's available to them, because in their mind, they have got to keep replenishing those calories that they're consuming. And if they're out there sweating, they're going to eat a lot. And sweat more and eat more. Before you know it, they just keep getting fatter and fatter. So we've got to manage that for them because they're not able to do it themselves.
1: And that, of course, is true regardless of the age. But I would think that it's especially important for the older horse because they're just not going to—they're not going to tolerate the the stresses of being overweight or or you know whatever these things are. They're not going to tolerate those stresses as well. They're not going to bounce back as quickly if if um, they're not you know, the care isn't managed correctly.
0: Right. And that's the scary part to me because I've literally seen horses that look great in the summer and then, and, and they, they're just packing on that weight and, and the owner's thinking, wow, wow, look at my horse. This is so fat and pretty. But the problem was if they ever do start going the other direction, more times than not, we don't know exactly what's causing it. And sometimes it could be an internal thing. Like we mentioned earlier, it could be kidneys. It could be uh, some sort of other organ failure, kidneys, or it could be their liver issues. But once that begins to happen, it's harder to reverse those things on an older animal than it is on a younger horse. So in my opinion, it's just much easier to manage than it is to fix. Um, and I'm going to, since you brought up Scooter, I mean, a lot of people could go to our website and see a few pictures of Scooter. I'm going to give everybody a really quick history. Scooter, uh, number one, he was the first horse that ever bought sight unseen. There was a lot of things about Scooter I didn't like when I first saw him. For example, he had too much white on the side of his face, which Um, I wasn't a big fan of having that much white. And then I see the other side of his face and he had a blue eye and there's nothing that I don't, I just don't like blue eyed horses. I'll put it that way. But I told the lady I'd buy him before I ever saw him and I stuck to my word and I brought him home and I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I'll never buy another horse sight unseen because I ended up with this ugly sucker. But at the same time, Scooter just grew on me. And before you know it, I would go out to the barn with him every day, every night, and I got to where I'd handle him a lot, because I got him when he's only four months old. I handled him every day, worked with him, and then I, I just almost couldn't wait for this ugly horse to turn of age so that I could ride him. Well, at that time, I was doing a lot of stuff with Perina Mills, and the event and sponsorship manager at that time with Perina called me and said, hey, Van, we've got this big event going over to Fort Worth. We want you to start a horse for us at that deal, but we don't have a horse for you to start. Can you bring one of yours? And I said, like, well, it's kind of an odd time of year. My horses are too young, and I don't have an, an older client horse that I could start. So no, I don't, I don't have anything. And obviously, they were very insistent. And I said, well, the only horse that I've got that's anywhere close is my horse Scooter, but he's only 18 months old. And the, the, the event and sponsorship manager just begged me if I'd bring him over there. And I said, okay, but I'm not going to ride him hard. I'm not going to do anything with him other than just really mild, get him started on her saddle and get right off of him. Well, I get over there, and they also don't have a round pin set up. So, Laura, I did something extremely creative, I thought. I got everybody out in the courtyard right out there on Exchange Street in downtown Fort Worth. And in the courtyard there, I got everybody to stand shoulder to shoulder. And I had a a round pen made out of human bodies. And Scooter got started under saddle with a human round pen as his barrier. And when I rode him for the very first time, I was so pleased because he didn't do anything wrong. He just let me get on him. And it was just another day at the ranch as far as he is concerned. He wasn't worried about the people. He wasn't worried about the longhorns walking down the street. He wasn't worried about the the rides over there in the little exhibit area. He was just a wonderful little dude. He just did wonderful. So I was sitting on him, and I said, well, folks, that concludes the cult starting demonstration. Appreciate everybody coming out. And now my human round pen dissipated. It went away. So now I'm in the courtyard with no boundary whatsoever. It's just me and Scooter. And I thought, wow, he's doing so good. I think I'm going to ride him around for a little bit. So I just literally walked him around the courtyard there in downtown Fort Worth, walked him across the street, through the, the Longhorn Steers and everything, all the way to the other side of the street, and got literally within yards of a big Ferris wheel. And I thought to myself, that's a good enough start. And I stepped off of him and led him back to the stall and unsaddled him, and everything was great. From that day forward, though, Scooter pretty much lived the rest of his life on a horse trailer going to expos and demonstrations of various sorts. And that's why when when we finished competing on scooter after his fifth championship, I decided it was a good idea to kind of semi retire him actually, even when you rode him, he was kind of semi retired. What I did with him after then was kind of let my favorite people ride him and uh do riding lessons with him and and so you got to experience scooter as a as a s as a riding student and then now he pretty much just lives pretty much a good life of luxury down here in South Texas, eating lots and lots of grass and Picking up things if I drop them and bringing <laughs> things to me if I leave them <laughs> and, and uh, pointing out every gate that I've ever left open, he'll find it. Um, <laughs> but he's he's really just kind of an icon of the ranch now. And uh, I don't hardly ever ride him anymore. When I do, it's incredibly light, or I'll put somebody up there and let them because uh, I know he's such a good babysitter. Scooter's yeah. one of those really unique horses that really senses the level of the rider and he doesn't do anything at all to take advantage. And in fact, he does everything in his power to make sure that that rider is pretty safe. And I wish I could say that you, you train that characteristic in horses, but you don't. It's either there, it's not. And i just feel very, very blessed out of all these years to have had Scooter be part of my life and part of my journey in horsemanship.
1: Yeah, I mean, just on a personal level, it was such fun and such a privilege to get to ride him because I, you know, I would come home after every lesson and tell my husband, that horse makes me feel like a rider. Um, yes, ma'am. And I was s- such a rookie, and still am, of course. But he just—I never felt unsafe on him.
0: One of my one of my favorite memories of you riding scooter, uh, apart from the day that you loped on him for the first time, that to <laughs> me was just—that was like the pinnacle of my career, right there. Was having you lope him and seeing the your the look of worry go away. And that big, huge grin on your face because you shouted the words, I did it so loud. That was such a huge reward for me as an instructor, but it was just a really cool sight to see. But apart from that, I guess my second favorite moment of watching you ride him was probably the first time you rode him or maybe the second time you rode him. And you got on and I had you walk away from me as if you're going to walk out into the arena. Actually, we were were in the arena, but you're kind of walking out into the different part of the arena. And then you asked the question, Why is he walking sideways? Why won't he just go straight? And if you'll remember, that was before you had your hip surgery and your hip was pushing more pressure on one side than it was the other. And Scooter literally had to relearn to ignore that as his cue because if I would have been riding him, I would have wanted him to go sideways like he was doing. And we kind of had to retrain his brain to get him to where he wouldn't be that sensitive.
1: Yeah. Because but I sit crooked because of the issues with my hips and, and he was just doing what I was, what he thought I was telling him to do.
0: <laughs> right. And it was so cool to look at him. He's thinking he's just walking off. Like he's doing exactly what he's supposed to probably thinking, why is she making me walk sideways for so long? And then it, it we, we, I think at that time we both realized, Oh, wait a minute. He's only doing that because of your posture. And I, and if you'll remember, I had to say, well, Laura, he feels your left leg putting more pressure on him. Therefore your right leg has got to equal that out. Yeah. And so at first you had to kind of ride him hard with your right leg to get him to walk straight again. But that to me was just very indicative of the kind of horse that he was. Yeah. You know, he just And then once things began to make sense to him and he realized that that leg was there, but it didn't really he he didn't really yeah, have to I didn't respond mean it. to it. <laughs> right. And yeah. he he kind of made that adjustment. And again, I wish I could say that was a trained characteristic, but that's just that's just the blessing of a good horse and horses like that really come around, you know, once or twice in a lifetime if you're lucky.
1: Well, I have to say that, and, and then we need to you know, wrap this up, but my favorite memory of riding him was when you were teaching me about, you know, stopping and you had me, lope, you were sitting off to the side, I think on my horse and you had me loping down the center of the arena, the long way. And you were calling instructions out to me and you said, and now when you get up to this point, I'm going to want you to, I think it was, you know, stop writing sit down in the saddle and say, whoa. And when you said, whoa, he planted his butt in the <laughs> dirt and I almost went off over his head. And, I
0: remember that, yeah.
1: And it was hilarious. We 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 realized at that point that you couldn't say that word.
0: <laughs> right. And even still to this day, he taught me a great lesson because even today when I'm teaching other students, I never say the word whoa in a clinic or something like that unless, of course, all the horses are stopped. What I say to people now, okay, now say the magic word. <laughs> yeah. I, so he taught me a good lesson that day as well because you just almost went over the top of him. I and,
1: did. I still remember that. I, and, yeah. and it's funny now, but it was like, well, what was that? He just he just planted his rear end in the dirt when he heard that word from you. He's like, oh, I know what that means. <laughs> so, anyway.
0: well, to me, I think because Scooter means so much to me there's no doubt in my mind that older horses mean. Just as much to their owners as yeah. Scooter means to me, and and because of that is one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this particular this subject in this episode. Because I know Gabar means a lot to you. You've had yeah. Gabar for many years. You had him before you came to Texas. So, yeah. you know he he means a lot to you, and it just it's just understandable why we want to really want to take care of these guys who are truly part of our family. I mean I couldn't imagine my family being without without scooter. And and I don't want to think about that, quite frankly. I know it's going to happen someday, but it's one of those things that I just I don't want to give it much thought. But while he's here, I want to make sure that I'm doing everything for him that I can. Everything from making sure that his feet are in good order. I don't want him to be hurting to go eat. I don't want him to be hurting to go get a drink. I want him to feel like he can run and play and go do those things without his feet bothering him. I want to make sure that his joints are okay. And so I think those older horses kind of deserve a little of our attention. It doesn't mean we got to get worried about them and panic about them or start treating them, you know, as if they're the royalty of the ranch. But it, but they, they have earned our attention and our care. But we don't want to love them to death. We don't want to overfeed them and cause them to be obese. We don't want to over-supplement them and cause issues with their kidneys or their livers. But they just need our attention, and that was the purpose of this episode: is just get people to be aware, start thinking about if you've got that horse that's over 12 to 15, start. Checking his teeth out on a pretty regular basis and having your vet look at them maybe twice a year as opposed to the annual checkup. Uh, make sure that um, just get pretty handy at looking at and making a good objective uh, decision as to what their body score might be and where that ideal body score is in your mind and how you'd like to have your horse in that, in that condition. If you see a drop in that, you might want to either consult your veterinarian immediately or uh, just increase their calorie intake a little bit. In other words, just be very attentive and watch them. And, th- and then if, uh, if it was me, especially on that older horse, if he, like in Scooter's case, if he's, I mean, Scooter worked a lot. It's, for those of you who don't know, sometimes the hardest thing you can do on a performance horse is haul them. And Scooter has been to Canada I don't know how many times. He's been as far south as you can go I don't know how many times. He's been literally east coast. I think we counted 22 times in his career. He's gone east coast, west coast, so he's gone coast to coast 22 times. That's a lot of miles in a horse trailer. And then when he gets there, he's got to go to work. So it's a lot of wear and tear on that young horse's body. So because of that, he, of course, is on the EQ. It's just a light preventative supplement to take care of his joints. I feel like that's the least I can do for my old friend.
1: Yeah. So I, I personally appreciate you taking time to talk about these things because of the fact that my horses are of an age. And for those who are listening who maybe have questions we didn't get to, Feel free to to send those questions in. You can leave a comment on the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page to ask your question or just email it to info at vanhargis.com if you want kind of more specifics or more ideas about caring for and, and the best ways to, to use, <laughs> use and ride your older horse. I'm trying to think what else. Be sure to check out the website at vanhargis.com to see where Van's going to be in the coming weeks and months. And uh, if he's coming to your area, I know he would love it if you come to whatever that event is and come up and introduce yourself and let him know you listen to the podcast. A- anything else you want to make sure they know before we wrap it up, Van?
0: Well, our, in our previous episode, we, we talked about at the very end of that, we talked about an intern and apprentice program mm-hmm. that we're starting mm-hmm. again. And uh, we're, we're, we'll, we'll be having our dorms finished by, by this fall. This fall, we're, we're restarting our intern and apprentice program, which is a very intense educational program. The only difference when, between the intern and the apprentice program is the length. The apprentice program is a little bit shorter. The intern program is a lot more detailed and a lot longer. I want people to think of it as kind of like a trade school for the horse industry because we do a very intense program, everything from working with weanlings all the way up to your upper-level performance horses and everything you can think of in between. We do a lot with the safety aspect of it, because like I've said before, that you know one of my greatest accomplishments I think in the horse industry isn't the saddles and the trophies and all the other stuff that we've won over the years. What's most important to me is the 43 years of of uh, having a, oh, a time loss injury. You know, 43 years without a time loss injury I think is a pretty good record, and that's probably the thing I'm most proud of. But if they're interested, anyone that's interested, in it, it doesn't matter what age or it doesn't matter what gender. But anybody interested in attending uh, the apprentice program, we're going to be offering a scholarship to those for the first couple of seats, I guess you could say, in those. And in order to apply for the programs as well as be eligible for the scholarships, you must go to info at Seek more information or just ask us to send you more information about those. I'll send you a brief curriculum. And it's just an outline of what we'll be discussing and what's going to be expected of you. And then at the same time, we'll discuss fees, scholarships if you're eligible. And the application is going to be pretty simple, Laura. They have to send us some videos of them working with horses. I will also need a detailed resume of all their horse experience, as well as their educational experience and so on, and their work experience. And I would also like references from people who would either recommend, recommend them to us or who can vouch for their, the experiences that they do have. We needless to say, we're very excited about reintroducing the um intern and apprentice program it's a very exciting program we're we're very excited about having it back in tune
1: yeah, so it's a great opportunity to work with someone who truly is a master horseman and a master teacher for that matter but uh, i i would encourage people just uh, as a former student for writing lessons if if you you all want to come and do this, you're gonna learn so much, but come prepared to work. <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah. It's like like you said in another episode, it's it's definitely not a dude rant type situation. It's it's going to be a lot of hard work. It's just like anything else. If you really want to be something at the end of it, you got to pay your dues in the middle of it. So uh, it's it's a lot of hard work, but it's all relative and it's all educational.
1: So there you go. If that sounds like it might be interesting to you, send an email off to info at vanhargis.com. Let them know of your interests and ask your questions and see where it goes from there. Anything else we need to say?
0: I can't think of a thing, Laura, but I do want to give you my my gratitude and thanks for for being such a wonderful co-host and asking all the right questions all the time. And I also want to express my appreciation to our listeners, as always. And I want to remind them that until next time, remember, it's your ride, your trail, it's your journey. So ride over stride.